Welcome everyone to this week's Master Instructor Roundtable. I am Wendy Batts here with my friend and co-host Marty Miller. Marty, how are you? Look, I'm enjoying the, the day, Wendy. Everything's good. Looking forward to this topic. I know you put this one together and had some great ideas, so I'm excited. Yes. Well, this actually was not one that I can take credit for. This question or the, this reason for this topic came um, from one of our listeners. Her name is Brittany. And Brittany had some questions when, in regards to grip placement and hand placement and how it can affect different exercises. And, and does grip matter? The answer is it does. Um, so I want to say thank you guys for emailing Marty and I. Um, every now and then giving us some ideas for future podcasts. So if there's something you want to listen to, please contact us and let us know and we will do our best to get it on the show. But uh, yeah, let's go ahead and dive right on in. Why don't you kick us off? Yeah, well, so we are going to talk about the importance of grip strength. I know this is something Marty holds near and dear to his heart. Um, we have done stuff talking about the importance of grip strength. So we're going to do a quick review on that. But then we're also going to talk about different hand positions and how it can influence um, an exercise, or maybe it doesn't influence an exercise. So we are going to talk about that. And then we're going to ex like explore just a few of the different muscles. I mean, obviously, we could talk about this for days, but we're going to talk about some of the common ones that we get questions on and pros and cons of each and what happens when we do change up the grip. I like it. And you know, you have strength it. this is I'll, I'll go down this route because just stumbled into some more things yesterday. So use of grip strength as a biomarker of current health status is most directly supported by research. So on this cross-sectional association between grip strength and the strength of other muscles, actions of both healthy individuals and adults with pathology. Based on a lot of research and particularly of hand grip dynamometry, see that? <laughs> the measurement <laughs> of grip strength has been widely adopted as a singular indicator of overall strength. I was talking about this with a group of people yesterday it is a better indicator for long-term health than systolic blood pressure. What? <laughs> we did one on grip strength. So you guys can, you'll see the research. Hey, you know what? That's what we go off of is research. So, I mean, again, I think it's important. It, you know, we, we, if you have a chance to use one of these and see someone's grip strength, and then you actually retest them again, it is amazing to see how, when you start using different modalities and dumbbells and really trying to engage, you know, really getting their forearms and their hands um, nice and strong, how it really can make them feel better overall. I know myself, my hands and forearms give out sometimes before my legs do. So if I'm doing a heavy leg day and I have to hold on to a bunch of heavy, you know, bars or dumbbells, oftentimes I feel in my forearms more than I do my legs, which <laughs> says that I really need to work a lot on this. My, you know, just personal story that only I care about, but I thought I would share. So <laughs> I care. I care. That's nice too. I care, us. man. <laughs> Um, when we talk about grip positioning and some of the questions that we got, you know, was really about, is it important when you're doing different positions? Like what is the right way and what's the wrong way? And so, you know, we wanted to put this slide in here because we wanted to kind of get you thinking a little bit about why do you place your hands where you do when you're doing different exercises? And if you did something differently, could it change what you, what the prime mover is? And so there, there are benefits, but there are also sometimes something that could not be as beneficial if you had your hands in a certain position doing different exercises. And that's really what we're going to cover a lot on. And what are you trying to achieve? What functions of, of 
um, of, of muscles are you trying to really, you know, get to either activate or relax? Like what is your outcome? Of course, you need to know your outcome. And then always think about the five kinetic chain checkpoints. Um, that's the easiest way to really see, is it going to be something that is going to be beneficial for you. If you notice that if you have your hands placed in a certain way, but all of a sudden it forces your head in a forward position or it forces your shoulders in a rounded position, it's probably not going to be as beneficial. And there could be a different exercise to do that could target that same muscle in a safer way where we're not compromising one joint just to get one muscle to fire. Yeah, that's it's so important, you know, understanding anatomy, giving yourself variations of exercises, all these little things, you know, come into play and matter and really can change the outcome of an exercise. So I think it's critical that we go through this. Well, good. Cause we are <laughs> right. biceps. Love it. So I know. Well, you know what the, the gun show. So people always ask Marty and I, when we're doing phase one, why don't we always do biceps and triceps now, listen, there is a place where you can do the client, you know, what the client wants. And it's usually something about the gun show or the abs. That is pretty much primarily what I get more often than not. But keep in mind with a lot of the total body exercises that we do and a lot of the different exercise um, positions that we have, your biceps are also included. And so therefore, that's why we don't necessarily put them as a singular exercise. However, when you're doing biceps, people ask, is it better to have a supinated grip, a pronated grip, or a neutral grip? And you have to think about what the biceps itself does. So, you know, you've got to think, too, with the way that the biceps cross the elbow or, or, or not, depending on what we're looking at, they help flex the forearm. It supinates the forearm, and it's slightly, and when I say slightly, it's very small, plays a part in shoulder flexion. And so if you really want to think about fully achieving um, shoulder, I mean, a, a, a good bicep curl, then you want your hand supinated, you're going to flex the elbow, and you're going to have slight shoulder flexion, and that will get full biceps activation. So if I pronate my hands and not supinate them, am I, and I bend and flex my elbow, am I still working the biceps? Absolutely. But remember, we say biceps, not bicep. So there's two. But, you know, and so the thing is, is you want to think too, what are you trying to achieve? And with that slight shoulder flexion and you actually, you don't want them swinging. You don't want someone to use more momentum. That's why we really want to focus on the tempos. And so does it matter if you pronate or you go into a neutral position? No, you want to think too, if someone has really weak wrists or somebody also has an, an issue with a specific joint, then we also want to take that in consideration but it's not necessarily going to change flexing the elbow and actually making that bicep activate. No, you explained it perfectly well. And this is where if was Wendy's talking about this, if you're like, yes, 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 I get it. Awesome. Apply that. If you're like, okay, I get some of it. This is where we have courses like the corrective exercise specialist, where we go into more functional anatomy and that helps you start to discern true anatomy and functional anatomy than some of this gym science. So just, you know, use that as a frame of reference on where maybe your next education track should take you. Yes. And so here's some examples. Okay. There's one thing that I really want to talk about because I think it's important. Um, if somebody uses a straight bar and I know Marty, you and I have actually done another podcast on a lot of this when it comes to uh, the safety of a joint if you were to stand in the five kinetic chain checkpoints and you turn your hands outward, so your palms are now facing forward, 
and then you have someone just bend their elbows up, they're probably not going to be straight in front of their shoulders. They're probably going to have a slightly outward motion. And that's what you call the natural carrying angle. And so if I had someone bend and their hands kind of slightly went out to the side, mine do that. But then I give them a straight bar where they're in a fixed position and the bar is in front of them. And I have them go into that bicep curl holding a bar. I'm going to go from my natural carrying angle into something that's not natural. And it can actually cause stress to the to a hinge joint, which is your elbow, which then sometimes people start talking about the, the, their elbow is sore on the inside or this is really not very comfortable or they end up internally rotating their shoulders because it's not something that they naturally can do without compensation. And so if you'll look on the upper right hand corner, you're going to see one of the um, one of the bars that actually you know have ways in it. And, you know, you can have someone grab it and be in their natural carrying angle without it being in a fixed position like you see in front of you. So that's oftentimes why I'll say I don't use a straight bar um, for the biceps specifically for that reason. I often will use more dumbbells or even cables. So there's more degrees of freedom and movement. And it doesn't stress that particular joint out just to get the biceps to activate. No, it's, it's a perfect example. And, you know, that's key thing is, again, what are we trying to do? Are we adding stress or taking stress off the kinetic chain as we're loading it? So that natural carry angle is wildly important. And speaking about most men, for sure, we're not going to have the flexibility to be in that different position. And you're going to see changes at the shoulder and the head and neck for sure. Mm -hmm. And if you look yeah. at your biceps, it doesn't make it bigger. So that's another reason why we tell everyone to keep your head. Dang in a neutral straight position and really focus on not doing more momentum. And we focus on like really time under tension because that's where you're really going to get the most bang for your buck. Yep. Now something like the rose is another perfect example. What muscles are you targeting mid back, you know, muscles such as the lats, erector spinae, rhomboids, low traps, rear delt, what kind of row are you performing? Is it cables at a dumbbells machine barbell? If so, what? You know, the key thing is variations. Okay. But as soon as I start to turn my hands over, I'm going to be weaker because gravity is fighting to pull that weight. If it's a free weight out of my hand. So it's just, am I trying to strengthen up my grip or am I trying to strengthen my back? You know, and as soon as I start to, you know, change hand positions, again, you might activate things a little bit differently based on that type of row. Yeah, obviously no muscle works by itself, right? Even if it's a prime mover, there's going to be other muscles that are still that synergist to it. So for me, the first one, Wendy, that comes to my head, mind is like a bend over row supported. If I keep my hand in a neutral position, I'm going to get more rhomboid and some rear delt, of course. But if I was to change my position and go into a little external rotation, I might get a lot of rear, more rear delt and some rhomboid. So do you have mm -hmm. any kind of thoughts on uh, something like that yourself? Well, yeah, I mean, actually, let's go to the next slide. And I got a lot of thoughts, Marty, because that's just what I do. But, um, you know, one thing that 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 worries me a little bit, too, um, is when we do the bent over row. And like you said, you know, when you have a hand supported, you can really focus on the five kinetic chain checkpoints. And, and again, the next slide will show a bunch of different variations of rows. But this is one that I commonly see. And it doesn't matter if they're bent over. It doesn't matter if they're with a dumbbell. It doesn't matter if it's with a barbell. It doesn't matter actually what people are doing. Except for when rows happen, if you're not getting really good depression and retraction, then something happens where we, we call, like I, I tell people that they're spinning or that they're spinners. And you can see that I've got a blue arrow pointing to this uh, female's shoulders. 
and you can see where her humeral head is actually pointed almost directly in front of her. But you're going to see in relation to her torso, how it's not really lined up any longer with the ear. And so when somebody does a correct row, it's not look how far back my shoulders or my elbows can go. I'm getting more if I can go back further. What happens is the integrity of the shoulder then comes into where it's spinning. The humeral head starts spinning into that very shallow um, capsule in the shoulder. And so it puts a lot of anterior stress on, on um, the shoulder capsule when you just spin forward. And if you guys think about this and you take your elbows and, and bring it back as far as you can, your shoulders are now pushing out towards the front of the shoulder capsule. And you're really not getting depression and retraction that way. And so what you really want to focus on, especially when you're cueing, is that if you're looking at someone on the lateral view and they're rowing, is that their, their humeral head ends up coming almost level basically with their torso. And you're going to see that their shoulder blades have to do the work, the rhomboids and the, and the mid to lower trap and everything that's actually causing depression and retraction start happening together. And there's good um, mobility and motion through the shoulder blade. So scapulothoracic rhythm, we got good rhythm there. That means that we're actually doing it correctly. So as soon as you see someone going into a spinning position, stop them, reset them, and try to see if you can continue to keep basically the, um, the uh, shoulders in line with their ears the whole time, especially when they're rowing. Does that no, make sense? Great no, I'm a great explanation. <laughs> great explanation. There's my rant. No, no, it's, I mean, you and I've talked about this forever. It's about just activating the muscle properly, not just going through range of motion for range of motion sake. So you nailed it. Thanks, man. And here's some examples on the next slide. You're going to see just different variations. And, you know, one thing too, that I see often is people like to use on the cable, they like to use the straight bar, or even if they're using a, a barbell and they're going back. Just remember, you want to be able to have someone be able to go through their full available range of motion. And some people may be able to go back further than others without spinning. And if they can go past their torso, but yet there's a bar there that won't allow them to go back toward, towards their torso, they're not getting full activation there. They're just getting through what they can based on whatever implement they, they're holding on to. So one thing that I will tell people, I don't like the V-bars um, personally when I do a row on a cable because it stops me at my chest and I might be limiting that. Plus with the hands being so close together, it might cause somebody, especially if they're tight in their shoulders to go into interior um, rotation. And that is something that we see very often. We want them to be able to retract and depress. So if there's anything that's causing the spinning, anything that's, that's not allowing me to get my full available range of motion with the five kinetic chain checkpoints, then it's something that I'm not gonna use. So keep in mind that all of these are going to target the, the, the rhomboids and mid to lower trap, which is what you're focusing on in a row. But that really doesn't have any, anything to do with the hand and grip placement. Other than if you supinate, you may be able to externally rotate the shoulders to get better range of motion without compensation than if somebody is in a pronated position. Yes. I mean, I could try to find something to add, but, you know, for all of you that are just joining us today on the Master Instructor Roundtable, Wendy Bats is just dropping the mic left and right on grip position and the value of understanding what happens anatomically when you change hand positions or doesn't. So and myself here, Marty Miller, I'm just kind of going around for a ride. She is just crushing it, but we're not <laughs> going to get into 
lap pull down. So I'll, I'll, I'll start with this slide and then when he's going to get into all the amazing things on the, the little nuances. So when we're doing a lap pull down, so what are we targeting? Is it the lat, the tismus dorsi? Are we going to be able to hit those low and mid trap? You know, you'll see obviously muscles in the arhms, right? All the way down to Terry's major and the rhomboids and bicep brachii, infraspinatus. Then you got to look back again. Am I using cables? Am I using dumbbells? Am I using machines? And Wendy already told you, if you're using a straight bar, you're self-limiting on some of your range of motion. You just, you're, what's your goal? To be good at that exercise or to get the most muscle contraction? So these are all things that have to come into play. And now let's see what Wendy's got coming up next. Yeah. So if you look at the next slide, again, these are just some examples and some things that we want to think about. You know, you want to think about safety first. And that's one of the reasons NASM has been so great about, you know, trying to really reinforce the importance of the five kinetic chain checkpoints. Because obviously, if you look at the dead center picture with the bar behind the neck, that's something that you've got to think what's happening at the shoulders. Again, common compensation, people are internally rotated, they have a forward head position. This is a compensation. It's not something that's ideal. And so if I do that and I do the behind the neck um, pull down, I'm lifting really heavy weight because no offense, especially guys like to load it up heavy when they're doing lap pull downs. And so they're in a very compromised position by trying to, you know, there's something called a closed pack position. Your shoulder is only able to go back so far without putting excess stress. And so if somebody's already limited in that range of motion and now I'm trying to put a bar behind their necks, their hands are going to be going back behind their shoulders. People don't have that type of range of motion often, especially in the beginning. Plus, if I put my head in a forward position, remember your clavicle slightly moves. And so if I'm in a forward position, I've locked that down. And now I'm trying to actually spin my hands back to get a heavy bar behind my neck. It is not a win-win and multiple, multiple facets of, of, of just, just possible injury. Plus, the thing is, is what we're, what we're trying to do, we're trying to target the, the lats and the rhomboids and the mid to lower trap. We're trying to work the lower back. So what you can do is the picture to the bottom right or bottom right, where you're taking that same bar, slightly leaning back, and then you're getting yourself in a hands are in a pronated position on the bar, and you're going to row back that way or bring it down that way to do your lat pull down. Now, supinated, again, will probably help externally rotate the shoulders. You may be able to do that with less compensation. Pronation supination does not, does not change the actual lap pull down. So placement doesn't matter, but it may assist in helping someone cue out of an easy compensation. So that's why you're going to see the picture on the lower left where the hands are supinated and then they pull down. It's still going to target the lats. It just depends on what you're doing. And then, of course, I did have to put the upper right hand picture in here because, again, that V bar that I was talking about with the rower, obviously not a fan because, again, even though the, the actual bar is being pulled down towards the um, sternum, so your chest, I'm still not able to get as much contraction as if I was slightly leaned back and I was able to go past my actual torso. So what can someone do without compensation? That depends on the individual. But don't limit their range of motion just based on a tool that you're using to to actually do the actual exercise itself. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more with all those key points. And, you know, unfortunately, people just don't look through that. They just see something, they do it. So now I think you've given them a, an awesome way to analyze it and just at least question what they're doing and how and maybe try something different. Maybe. <laughs> I think yes. I think yes.
So I'll kick off here with the tricep. So again, what does the muscle do, right? The tricep crosses both the shoulder and elbow. It's main function, extension of the form at the elbow joint. And then the long head will contribute to that slight extension of the and adduction of the arm at the shoulder joint. So does the hand position matter? Not as long as form is not compromised. So I was explaining to someone today, they were going to do dips, Wendy. I saved them from themselves. And now they went and did these skull crushers with the dumbbells on the stability ball. And the report back was awesome. Yes. And those of you guys, again, do this, don't do that. Risk versus reward. There's a lot of different podcasts Marty Miller and I have done. Today on the Master Instructor Roundtable, Marty and I are talking specifically about grip and hand placement with different exercises. And the triceps, again, are something that, you know, I'm a big fan of, especially for, unfortunately, we start losing the triceps as we age, seems to become saggier and saggier each and every year. So they're very important that we keep fully activated and keep as firm as possible for as long as possible. So again, just something to keep in mind. But if we go to the next slide, this is what I've noticed. And I know Marty, you have too. You never want to think about anything that's going to compromise. Again, the five kinetic chain checkpoints, just because it stresses out different joints and you're probably not fully activating without compensating um, a different way. And there are probably better exercises to, to get that, that muscle or those muscles to fire. So behind the head triceps, so you're going to see in the upper left hand, again, you have to move the head out of way, out of the way. So think about what I talked about with a heavy weight, you're then putting a lot of stress on the shoulder, especially if someone's limited and, and doesn't have proper range of motion yet within that, that um, shoulder capsule. What we see here on, on the bench on the left. Um, so someone just doing, uh, you know, headbangers, skull crushers, what we would call tricep extensions with dumbbells, whatever way you want to, or whatever you want to call it, that is a safe way because you can see that they're maintaining the five kinetic chain checkpoints. They're going into shoulder or elbow flexion and extension, and they're fully activating the triceps. Now, if you look on the bottom, uh, the middle of the bottom page, you've got somebody doing a pronated grip. If, I mean, I'm sorry, a supinated grip, and they're going to be pulling down with the straight arm bar. Again, you're limiting range of motion because the bar itself. This is where Marty was saying that the forearms really need to be strong because now you're having to pull that weight down, utilizing the forearms before you even get the triceps to fully engage. And so unfortunately, sometimes people are limited there, such as myself. So doing a pronated grip and pushing down might be a little bit easier. However, it could also internally rotate the shoulders if you're not careful which leads us to the picture over there to the right. This is my biggest pet peeve is that people will use either that same V bar that we talked about and all these other exercises, or they'll use the rope and they'll use the rope with the two balls on the, on the ends. And then they take it and they'll hold on to it. They'll put it super heavy and they just bring it down in front of their quads and bring it right back up. Well, when you do that, your head's usually forward, you're internally rotated, and then they're just going down and they're limiting full activation of the triceps. So one thing that I would tell people to do is if you want to use that rope with, with the two handles, that's totally fine. But you know what? Pull, the, the, pull them apart and then go down and have your, your hands meet the, your hips or as far back as you can without compensating. A, it's in a better position for your shoulders. You're going to get full activation of the triceps. And you're not, you're not compromising the five kinetic chain checkpoints. So that's the upper right hand. You know, you can see the guys looking down. It's not as ideal, but you can see too, 
that just even sometimes doing a single arm on the side of the body with the cable gives a better range of motion, more freedom for that person to do what they're capable of doing without compensation. And you're going to get better activation um, of the triceps. Yeah. With everything you said, I agree with hundred percent. One of the ones that I like a lot is if you're got the spine stable enough, I get into like um, a bent hip, like hinge position. Think about doing part of like a Cobra shoulder blades down and back. And I lock in my shoulder blades and then I'll do a, a two arm tricep extension, like a kickback and do it slow and controlled pause and try to even get a little shoulder extension. And it is a burner, but I'm getting so much going on in the posterior part of my upper body. Fabulous. So yeah, just think it through, keep it, keep it simple, but don't get confused, you know, by things you see on the internet, et cetera. Just really go back to the five kinetic chain checkpoints and then you, the answers start to fall into place. And I think you kind of said a really important factor. You kind of get yourself, you know, in a Cobra position and then you continue right. on. And that's one of the things that if somebody can really think about bringing their shoulders back, maintaining good neutral position in the head, and then they perform these exercises, you are going to get more activation. You are going to have better results. And it is really targeting the triceps, which is what you're trying to activate anyway. Chakra. There you go. Love it. <laughs> right on a roll. So I can talk here a little about grip training. So those muscles, in, you know, that flex that lets you hold and squeeze on things, create gripping force, which is very important while the extensors, the form stabilize the wrist. So when you look at these exercises at grip strength, they should stress the flexors to improve the amount of force you can produce for gripping and crushing while the extensors should be trained to improve endurance, stability of the hands and the wrist directional row. But again, a lot of that's going to fall into the model, even if you don't do isolated, because if you're doing like a suspension trainer, uh, TRX pull up at a 422 tempo, your forms are going to be working a ton. So a lot of that gets integrated in there. So just, you know, go back and look at our, you know, all about grip type of uh, master instruction roundtable we did. We get into more detail there, but think about it and you will make sure that you um, end up with great results. And then the longevity part is crucial. Indeed. Right. So, so our key takeaways is really just to uh, talk about the importance of, of, of grip strength. And, and like you said, Marty, it's a very good and big time indicator of your overall health. And um, if you missed that in one of the previous episodes that we did, I'm telling you, Marty showed babies hanging and what happened at birth in the, in the 1800s and how important it was then and how important it still is today. So it's one that you definitely want to go back and watch if you haven't. Um, Think about, too, when you're doing exercises, what's the prime mover? And are you sacrificing for form? And then are you getting full available range of motion without compensating? And if you can say, you know, no, I'm not, I'm not sacrificing anything. And yes, I'm getting good range of motion. Then that is a good exercise probably for your client to do where you should feel comfortable, whether they're going fast, slow or heavy or light, whatever the case may be. But no matter what, also think about switching up the exercises that you're doing, because, again, you can you can do a pronated grip. You can do a neutral grip. You can do a supinated grip. Anytime you change something, it's going to to cause a different demand of the body. The brain's got to think differently. You might be stressing a few more stabilizers um, as well as a prime mover in a different way. Using cables sometimes instead of dumbbells, using bars instead of you know dumbbells, switching it up is also going to be a different demand. But no matter what, I can't focus and stress enough on the acute variables matter. So if you're in phase one and you're trying to get things to activate and you're really working on proper alignment, 
that 421 tempo and really trying to execute things without compensation it is super important. So when you start lifting heavy to get, you know, the mass that you want, you want to get the bicep peak or the tricep, you know, horseshoe look, then start really slow, really focus on on your form and then you're going to be able to build those muscles to get the look that you want. Awesome. Great job, Wendy. I know this was something that you really enjoyed putting together. Great takeaway. So how about we give everybody, our, our asking family here, your contact information. Yes. And Brittany, I want to thank you again for, for sending an email about this. And hopefully we helped answer your questions that you had in a little more detail than just what I provided back in an email. But if anyone has any questions on the topics that uh, Marty and I discuss in the past or even today, you can email me at wendy.bats at nasm.org or you can find me on Instagram at wendy.bats13. And then my information is coming up right here, dr.martymiller72. Email marty.miller at nasm.org. Wendy, great stuff today. Thank you for the passion behind today's topic. And again, thanks for Brittany for the questions. Feel free to fire away if you have any other topics you'd like us to cover. And thank you so much for joining today. We look forward to seeing you next week.